Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 145 of Midweek Metagame. I am Harry G, only joined by one of my regular co-hosts this week, Gabriel Deceive. Hey, Harry. Hey, everyone. Well, 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 another week, another misalignment of schedules. Sadly, Pat has some work stuff all week this week, so could not join us. Hopefully we're trying to get everything lined up, but as school is about to begin and Pat works at a university, it makes things awkward at this time of the year. Anyways, lots of magic to get into this week. Bit of diversified formats, I would say, from Gab's side and mine. Well, is it from mine? I top, uh, I made it to the finals of the Pioneer Challenge with Monogreen Devotion. Whoa, what a shocker, a new deck for me. And Gab played in the Canister No Banless Modern Tournament with... Bant Days and Doing Control. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. And also, Gab and I collaborated this week alongside Anu or NZDMTG for the SCG Columbus coverage. So we're also going to be talking about that. So three heavy hitters. You want to listen to this episode today? I think it's going to be a great discussion. But before we can get into those amazing topics, this podcast is brought to you by Card Market. For those who don't know what Card Market is, it's a marketplace online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related. It can be deck boxes, sleeves, accessories, singles, playmats, dice. Uh, you can sell on there. You can buy Digimon, Pokemon, Flesh and Blood, Yu-Gi-Oh, all the card games. Card Market's got it if you think you need it. So go check them out, cardmarket.com, cardmarket.eu. We also have to thank a new patron this week. Shout out to Marco for supporting our content. Yeah, thank you so much, Marco. Appreciate it. And if you would like to support our content, no pressure to do so. Patreon.com slash midweek metagame. Uh, go up, go there if you want to support us. But you know what even supports us more? Listening to the podcast as well as joining the podcast Discord. Last shill today. Please join the Discord. Join in the discussion. I'm always posting live updates in my tournaments in there. I'm giving you deck lists all for free. You don't have to be any patron or anything. Go in there. Join the discussion. Pat and I are always chatting. Gab, you hop in there sometimes as well. Yeah. Not very often. <laughs> but probably more often than in my own Discord, to be honest, so. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, what do you want to start off with this this week? Should we do the uh, coverage of SCG Columbus, I yeah, guess? Yeah, maybe we could start with Modern. And w- one thing you didn't mention that we'll be going over is we'll be looking at the, the cards from the new set from Dominaria that did well in the challenges this weekend. Not legal in paper yet, but on Magic Online, you could already play the new cards and... There's some cards from Dominaria in the top eights in Modern, as well as a little less surprising in in Pioneer, you know, amongst them Liliana of the Vale that showed up in, in the Black Rat decks. But yeah, we did coverage of Modern. We covered the first one of the two 20Ks uh, tournaments that uh, they held, and it was Russ Merriam, right, who ended up winning it all with Jeskai Breach. Very impressive showing. Impressive showing. Him and Corey B played very similar lists, and uh, I believe they they I believe Corey B made top four and and Ross won. We we got to to watch a lot of Ross's uh, match in the first five rounds. We were doing the first five rounds, and uh, Jim Davis and Nicole were doing the, the top the top twelve. And yeah, it was it was impressive. We got to see the, the deck in action. You know, I had never played the deck itself. I had played against the deck online and. I always felt like it was, you know, tough to play against. They have a couple different angles. It's not super easy to play against. You never know how scared you should be of the combo because it's a little random. You know, it, it does it, it does require a few pieces, but at the same time, they have a, a proactive plan, a kind of creature plan. It was Ragavan and Shredder backed up by Urza Saga tokens potentially, and we we kind of saw saw that in in full effect in the games we we're watching. You know. We had Ross win just with the combo, kind of out of nowhere. We've had Ross win with the creatures, just Shredder, especially against Rhinos. And we also saw him win a bit, a bit of both, you know, kind of grinding it out a bit with the creatures and then eventually uh, finishing off his opens with the combo. We also saw, you know, his opponents kind of a, a few spots where they, they maybe made the wrong decision because... Uh, they, they didn't know how scared uh, to to be of the combo, especially in one spot where one of his opponents just kept a nature's claim over creativity. And I think it would have worked out much better if he had just kept the creativity, but that, that's going to happen when you play something that's somewhat roguish, you know? Yeah, definitely. I really liked the way uh, Anu structured the tournament where 
He followed Ross and then had a uh, some sort of control matchup on table two. We also followed Raja on blue-white control, which I was really impressed by. Um, showing the power of Subtlety. I think Subtlety is a card that I kind of put on the side for control and more thought, oh, that's Living End, that's Rhinos. And then recently, literally only the past two weeks, one week, I've actually been playing with Subtlety, watching Subtlety. I'm like, this actually makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, overall, the tournament, I thought it was great. I saw a lot of online criticism of the event, not the coverage, because there was only, like, less than 200 people for the event for, for a 20k. But I think people, you know, need to remember, don't forget, not every Magic tournament is going to be packed, as well as I've seen a lot of concerts actually being cancelled because of tickets not selling, so maybe it's just an, an event thing in general. Um, but I loved the event. Anu ran it really well. And I think, honestly, the highlight for me was the fact that Ross's deck won out of nowhere. And I instantly picked up the list. You know, I've got to take that stuff, get some clickbait content for YouTube. And I, I played the deck in a league. And it was really impressive how powerful a just two-mana tap out for breaches when you've got all the zero drops, you got the Mishra's Bauble. Like, I, I had a turn where... Um, I Underworld breached, and I cast four baubles to draw four cards, and then I drew into another breach and like a Teferi Time Raveler against um, Murktide, and it was great. And then, obviously, post-board, my Murktide opponent brought in a Licensed Terse and Tormod Script, and it just wasn't... It, it, it wasn't enough because I then went to the beatdown plan. <laughs> What's funny is I cast Thassa's Oracle three times in my league. Once was to actually win the game. Two times was to play a 1-3 that puts an expressive iteration on top of my deck and attack with. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Nah, dude, it takes me back from like literally 20 years ago. That's That was at some point that was a control deck that was really good. And your card advantage engine was you would intuition for bubbles I guess back in the day it was the other bubble. Um, so you had intuition for bubble. You get to keep one, two in the yard. And then you were playing this control deck was Yogma's Will. So basically every time you'd cast Yogma's Will, you would get a land. If there was a land in your yard, you would maybe get a duress or removal spell and you would get to recast all the bubbles. Because what you do is you recast all the bubbles. You don't sag them right away, right? You you wait the next turn. You sag all the... So it's like Ancestral Recall plus whatever. So we, we did see Ross, I think, get a few a few of these value breaches, uh, kind of dig some more and then go off sometimes uh, later. And as you said, you know, if your opponent goes a bunch of graveyard hit and you just go Ragavan, Shredder, Urza, Saga, they're just so far behind. The game's just kind of over. You get to loot away your, your dead combo pieces or whatever. That deck was really impressive. And I was honestly super impressed by the level of play from... Pretty much every player we had in the feature match. That was very, 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 very few mistakes. I, I don't know if it's maybe because I'm used to watching tournaments on Arena for the past few years. And it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's really hard to play well on Arena as opposed to, to paper tournaments. Um, whether it's, you know, at any level, really. I've always thought that. You know, in arena turns, people just, most people, even the very good players, some very good players just don't play well. It's just harder to play well. And yeah, no, this weekend it was lots of, lots of really good players, good plays. And yeah, subtlety out of blue-white. I remember at the very beginning of the format, we tried subtlety a bunch and the card was just, I felt like the card was just terrible. It was just not worth it. So I'm not sure what, sh what changed, maybe... Maybe the decks change a bit, maybe it lines up better, maybe, you know, just playing more Jace. You know, you talked about Raja, he, he had two Jace in the main, I believe, two Jace and two five mana at Fairy. And that does make sense, you know. I've been playing a bit of Days on Doing and, uh, you know, it's it's definitely uh, helps helps the... It's nice synergy, basically, between the Elementals and Jace. Mm, definitely. I wonder if it's because I feel like in Modern Now... Not counting something like Hammer Time, I feel like all the decks that you want subtlety against, they're tapping out consistently every turn. And I've, I, I always felt like Modern was a format where people weren't really, like, slamming bombs, whereas I feel like the format is now more slam a bomb, go, or, like, slam a bomb, have a bolt up kind of thing. And I think subtlety lines up a lot nicer against these decks that kind of 
play a load of interaction and then play your Merc Tide. And it's like, okay, I've got subtlety. And I think that that helps a lot as well as, I guess, Merc Tide specifically. There's a lot of cards in the format where if you subtlety it, it's actually really annoying for the player to top it. Like maybe in Evoke Elemental. I, I don't really know the read on why it actually is better than it was in the past, but it feels a ton better. And maybe it's because... No, I don't know. I actually don't yeah. really know wholeheartedly why. I don't remember what the format was like at, at the very beginning, um, you know, when these cards were printed. But right now, I guess it's a combination. You know, it's probably a little bit of what you said. There's the fact that it dodges Flusterstorm, it dodges Veil, it can be kind of hard cast. People play Kahira, so that's another little nice little upside. People play more Jace in their deck again. Who knows? But yeah. Uh, same for Merktide. Most Merktide lifts have a, f- a few in the sideboard now, and I-, I feel like I was watching Merktide players, and they literally bring it against everyone. Doesn't matter if you're playing blue-eyed control, if you're playing this, that. Just every match out bringing your subtleties. Uh, we saw kind of a, a bit of the same in Living End. A lot of players just main deck a few subtleties in the flex spots. So, yeah, yeah. You know, this actually heavily reminds me of when Force of Negation, the Force of Negation. Um cycle was printed in Modern Horizons 1. It wasn't until the Hogak deck became very popular at, it was Pro Tour Barcelona, Mythic Championship Barcelona, and Force of Vigor went from half a ticket on Magic Online to 40 tickets. No one was playing Force of Vigor until people realized, wait a second, this annihilates Leyline, and since then, Force of Vigor has seen tons of play across formats. So this subtlety could be very similar. I mean, it takes time for people to realize the true power of something. Who knows, but that reminds me a lot of that. I think uh, in my modern testing as well, we didn't see much um, new modern cards in the SEG Columbus because like you were saying at the start, you're not allowed to play them on paper, but you can on Magic Online. I always was thinking throughout the weekend, like I wonder if this Lotus Breach deck would have done as well. And if you want to transition to the Magic Online results, I think you saw a really cool deck in first place. Well, you had a... Yeah, you had a uh, new cards win the very first uh, Magic Online challenge the, in Modern. Uh, someone won was Goblins, was the new the new Horde Master, uh, the new Lord. So that that was one of the new cards that showed up, um, and uh, so that was cool to see. Uh, I guess it's the real deal. No no Murfalls in either top eight this weekend though, but Goblins won one of the challenges. Uh, another card, maybe a little less surprising. Um, was Leyline Binding. You had Dom Harvey come in second uh, in the Saturday Challenge. Dom actually beat me in the last round of the last round of Swiss of the No Bandless Modern as well. But yeah, he he brought a pretty cool version of Glimpse, the, the Glimpse Elemental decks. He was playing Yorion, was, you know, more Cascade spells and four Leyline Binding. It's clever, right? People were thinking about it. Six mana. It's a one one or two mana removal spell. Um, that you can play in your in your Cascade decks because its casting cost is six, so that was cool. We saw Leyline do come in second, um, four Leylines in the Creativity version, come in second in the Sunday Challenge, and one card we talked a bunch about was Pat last week, and I was so happy to to see top. It was Sarah Paragon. That's the free four Angel for two white and two. That lets you replay a permanent cards that cost three or less from a graveyard every turn. And when it goes to the graveyard, it, it, it gets exiled, but you gain two life. So you can bring back a bubble, draw a card, gain two life, it gets exiled, but then next turn you get back a fetch land. And that card so play in the, the Oswald deck that I know very little about. Um, I wonder if it wasn't a Spike Brew originally, but it's a deck that you see... Uh, Top eight a challenge once you know once every few months or whatever. So yeah, that was that was, that was uh, as far as modern goes and top eights. Uh, I might have missed a card, but I think that was it. The, the goblin leyline binding and and Sarah Paragon. Yeah, I I um I did play against not the goblin lord this week, but I played against elves playing the new elf lord, and I was playing a Ren and six deck. I was playing Team Escape Shift, and I was like, oh well, I can just Ren and six ping it. You can ping it, but th- these decks are explosive now. I got crushed by elves on Team Escape Shift. I mean, Goblin's winning the challenge. What is the lord? What is the upside of this lord? Oh, so you you gave a try because that's other deck we kind of wanted to talk about that we saw in action the 
SCG, right? It was mm. Team or Escape Shave, kind of old school, gross spiral, remand, lots of cheap interaction. Is that is that the list uh, you played? Yeah, so the player who went 10 and 1 in the SCG had an interview with Anu and said, oh, I've copied and altered the list that came second in the Magic Online Challenge. What's funny is, the day that the challenge result was released, Cherry instantly messaged me and said, oh, look, Team Escape Shift is good, let's play it. So I played a league, Cherry played a league, and it did not go well. I thought that the deck was okay, I thought it was decent, I titled my YouTube video like, Team Escape Shift is good again, but this is not a deck list that I would like to play. I think Cherry went 2-3 and I went 3-2, so... It's it's okay. I think it's decent. The problem is that you're so fragile and, and in terms of your draws. I feel like our draws were abysmal. Your deck is like 50% lands. You have like a load of a load of junk really. You yeah. have a load of junk in Valakut that when you squish it all together it's okay. And Cherry and I talked about it and we came to the conclusion that we don't like this deck because there isn't a seven that you can keep and guarantee to win, because you need more than seven cards to win. And that's what we hated about it. Whereas some modern decks, you have Hammer Time, you have the Sigardase, the Ornithopter, and the Land, and the Hammer, it works. Whereas this deck, you need more than seven, and that's what we disliked. Yeah, even just decent Ren and Six hands, just a Bolt, a Ren and Six, a Gross Spiral, and a few lands, you didn't feel like these hands were just kind of easy wins especially when you're on the play you didn't you didn't get these easy run and six on the play wins we did not get i i I can't remember all the matches because cherry and i are literally playing like four leagues a day but we did not have games where we're like look at how insane this deck is because we play with discord screen share and we always say like oh look at this turn look at this turn and cherry and i have this logic that when we try out a deck test a deck because we're testing for challenges every weekend because we're trying to farm challenges our logic is when we play a challenge, we want to play with a deck that we can outskill people with, but most of the time we want it to be brain dead because we're, we're multi-queuing challenges and we want decks to play themselves. So we instantly pushed off Team Escape Shift because we thought it, it is a deck that doesn't play itself because so many people have answers to Ren yeah. and we can't really counter like a Prismatic ending. We had our Ren's Fury a ton. Um and Dryads were getting solituded, or what? Like people yeah. were casting solitude. Teferi Time Raveler wrecks the deck. So yeah, th- that's why I wasn't a fan. And it made sense because when I listened to the interview with Anu and the player on Team Escape Shift, he was like, "Oh, I've been so lucky this weekend. Everything went right for me. I top decked this spell when I needed it." Yeah. I mean, that's what we were wanting in our leagues, right? And if you get lucky with Team Escape Shift, I think the deck is really good. Okay. Sorry, that was a huge team escape. Nice. <laughs> it was interesting. No, it's cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. And as far as modern goes, I, I mean, I played some modern, but a different kind of modern. I want to move on to, to no boundless modern. Yeah, go go ahead. I'm down. Yes, yeah, so it was a tournament organized by Canister and it got a decent bit of people. It got 48 players and yeah, the format was no boundless modern. So modern was every card available. We played it on Magic Online. You can, you know, challenge people in free form, whatever, create rooms in free form. So that's how it worked. And uh, yeah, I tested a bit for the event. I tried out Hogak, which seemed pretty strong. You know, it wasn't clear if you want to be more blue for Hedron Crab or red for looting. Um, but but Hogak seemed pretty decent. Tried out a few games. Obviously, I didn't have time to test every deck extensively. So it was kind of just try and play a few matches here and there, get a feel. Um, you know, tried, tried Eldrazi, tried control decks, didn't feel very good. Sensei's Divining Top, Counterbalance, that didn't feel great. Um, I thought Murktide was maybe good, but no one actually ended up playing Murktide in the event. Some people played Splinter Twins, some people played Jeskai Breach, I think, but actual, uh, you know, just straight up blue-red Murktide, no, no one did that. And... Um, I ended up playing a Days on Doing deck. I was like, huh, maybe I'll just try the Days on Doing deck. Maybe the cards line up well. You can play Rest in Peace in the main deck. You get Chrome Mox, which seems really sweet, was four in our set and four Teferi. Just ramp up. Also, Days on Doing, you know, what if you have a double Mox draw, Days on Doing kind of in, you would do in the Vintage Cube, just play a couple Mox, a Twister, and get a, an advantage like that. So I played it. It was kind of okay. And then um, Adam, um, Chalky Adam, who ended up, 
finishing second actually in the turn said why don't you just add Oko to your deck and I was like oh yeah so I added Oko I played a, a few matches against him playing Titan kind of crushed him uh, he said he tried the deck a bit and it was it was doing okay so I was like you know it's good enough it might not be the greatest deck but I like it it's kind of my own build you know emotional attachment and I think I'll do okay you get to play rest in peace in the main and that card's pretty good against a lot of people so yeah, uh, I ended up playing that. I was I was kind of considering Merktide. I only played against it, but um, yeah, played that. I started off well. I was three and zero. I beat uh, Infect deck with Shoal. I had a lot of good cards in that matchup, like Solitude. They couldn't really beat because they were playing mostly Fluster Storm as protection for their combo. So that card was really good. You know, in game one, I got in a spot where I just had mana up was Ottawara, which can bounce Nexus because it's an artifact, and they had no counterplay. At that point, their only way of winning was like one infect damage at a time or like double combo me. Anyways, so that went well. Then I beat um, a combo deck, the Oops All Spells, the one that self-mails was the black creatures, and they were playing Dread Return and Thassa's Oracle as the kill. I... Got lucky, I, I ripped a rest in peace in game one. Game two, I actually got turned one. They were on the play. And it was funny because I kept a kind of sketchy hand, but it had Dress Down and Double Boseju. So I was like, well, if they don't turn to me, then I'm in a decent spot. And yeah, they didn't turn to me, but they did turn one me. So that was something. Uh, you know, I would have needed to have one of my first negations for salty, but I didn't have. And then game three went well. I just. Drew my second one for second white for Sanctifier, the card that you know you see playing regular modern, uh, the two two that exiles red and black cards. That card was you know really good in the meta because it's it it stops them. It's it's pretty good against Hogak, few other decks. So yeah, that was round two, round three. I beat an Abzan kind of Deathrite Shaman, um, Stoneforge like value had Oko I guess four color and. Rest in Peace was pretty good for me there. They had a lot of graveyard synergies. They had Deathrite Shaman. They had the, the elf that searches for lands. They had Uro. Um, and then I got in a spot where basically my game plan was just survive and go Narset days on doing it at some point and gain an edge like that. And that's kind of what happened. And then the wheels fell off. I got kind of beaten badly by the, the eventual winner, um, I believe Eric Rose. He was playing just straight up black green dark depth, nothing too fancy honestly, just confidant and hex mage as creatures. Uh, the, the the into the north to get um, no Sylvan's crying, but into the north to get merit ledge land. Um, pretty straightforward, you know, discard spells. I, I was um, yeah, I was super impressed honestly. In game one, he mulliganed to five, and he just went Urborg discard. Uh, turn to Thespian Sage, discard, you know, Thoughtsy's Inquisition. And then turn three, he had uh, the Merit Lade. Uh, I don't know how, what it is, in Dark Depth. And yeah. was they get to play Urborg and the green one and Yavi Maya. So it lets you naturally curve, you know, one of these lands into Stage, into Dark Depth that taps for mana. Boom, you got a 2020. And mm. yeah, I was impressed. He got to play four Force of Vigor. You were talking about Force of Vigor earlier. That card was. Super important in, in the meta. That card, uh, Her- Hercules Recall, did a decent amount of work. So I lost to that. I lost a, to Charvelcher too. That was probably not a great matchup for me. Just Mono Red and they play Empty the Warrens and Charvelcher. And uh, I think they got me was was Empty the Warrens both games actually. Um, so that was rough. And then last round I got paired against Dom Harvey playing Titan. And that was actually the, the one matchup I'd kind of tested. I played three matches against Adam. Adam lost a single game, and I just got, you know, 2 0 That kind of didn't draw very well. So that was a little disappointing. I'm not sure I would have made it with 4 2, but yeah, that was my experience. It was fun. It was fun practicing, kind of figuring stuff out. And in the end, it was Eric Rose who won on Black Green Dark Depth. Uh, Chalky Adam came in the second, was kind of blue green Oko, basically, blue green artifact Oko. So you were playing Oko. You're playing a few counters, interaction, Emery, Bubbles, Urza Saga. So basically, your your killing was Oko and Urza Saga, and then the rest is, you know, some some mocks, some bubbles, some rebukes, some dismembers. Uh, I think Shredder. There's a similar deck in the top four that Adam actually 
it was his only loss in the Swiss because I think his opponent had free Hercules recall in the sideboard, and I think Adam had none, but somehow he got there like just pretty lucky draws and his opponent kind of stumbling. And um I think I think Dark Dives did pretty well. I don't know if you watched it all, because Cherex made made top four, right? Yeah, so um I watched a little bit. Cherry Cherry and I were on a call during the Swiss of the Pioneer Challenge, because Cherry played the Pioneer Challenge as well with Green, finished seventeenth place at X2 was playing double queuing the canister event. The Dark Death decks look so good. I actually helped Cherry test um, for this event. I I built a Bant control Yorion deck because Yorion thought, uh, sorry, not Yorion thought, Cherry thought that there was going to be a load of Okos and Uros and stuff prep for the event. And um, we have a little testing group on Discord. There's a very good Deaths player in our Discord from Legacy called Badger. He helped Cherry tune the list, and Cherry played three Aboreal Grazers in the end, and some Assassin's Trophies and Abrupt Decays. The amount of games that Cherry won because of Aboreal Grazer was crazy. Um, I honestly thought that it was a little bit better than the Chrome Mox in his deck. Like, Chrome Mox helped cast into the North and Sylvan Scrying, but the Grazer had the most nut draws in my in, from what I saw. The Elvish Reclaimer that you were talking about, insane. Um, Cherry... Before this event, Cherry was 7-0 and in No Banless Modern on MTG Melee. He's only played one No Banless Modern with Depths before. Started this tournament 8-0. and No, 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 sorry, 7-0. and Went 6-0 in the Swiss, won the quarters, and then lost the semis. This guy, De- Cherry knows Depths. Like, I was watching him just goes like, kill. Boom, 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 kill. The amount of, like, he was like playing around perfectly around Besejus and Solitudes and Okos and doing maths and stuff. I was so impressed. I was like, what the heck? Depths. Depths? There's a lot of depth to depths. <laughs> I'm being real. Yeah. Like, so much c- complicated lines for just a couple lands. And and, and it was it was sick. And I, I think that, honestly, No Banless Modern, to me, seemed more fun than Legacy does. And... And I really liked that. I think that it's kind of a taste of legacy, but without force of will, which I think adds a bit more interesting. It makes the games more interesting because the control decks aren't too overpowered and the solitude helps fight the depth decks. From what I saw, it looked good. Um, Any other comment on the format? I think... mm, I think that there were more Okos in the tournament than there should have been. I also thought that I didn't see a lot of Hogax and no Karn the Great Creators. I did not see one Karn the Great Creator, did you? I think there were a few Red Prison decks. Yeah. I I'm No Bandless Modern always confuses me because these tournaments are always like the only thing people can refer to to build decks. Yeah. So you know, I really wonder what No Bandless Modern would look like if it was actually a format on Magical Line. I think that that would be a really cool format, and I think it's very low cost for wizards, but I guess that's something they're not interested in. Yeah, it might get a little stale, a little fast now, but who knows? I, I had fun. I agree with Dark Death. Just kind of watching from the other side, it felt like the Dark Death players had a bunch of decisions and they had to play around a bunch of stuff. I was impressed at you know how resilient it was. I lost one of the games where I actually thought I was going to lose and I thought I got lucky. I drew subtlety so I could chum the token, untap the fairy bounce. And I felt like at this point it was kind of tough for them to to come back, and I was gonna buy me a lot of time. But they like reassembled the combo really fast. Um, I'm not sure did Cherry have Lurus in his version? Yes. Yeah, they both yes. had Lurus. Um, yeah, and four Bob in the sideboard, which was insane. Yeah. So Eric Rose, I think, had Chromox. Cherry X Man had Grazers, and 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 uh, he was playing the one two, the Elf that tutors for lands. Elvish Reclaimer. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. Okay. I think Eric Rose just had. Hex Mage and Confident. No Dark Confident, though. Cherry had four Dark Confident. I think the difference between his list and the other list was they were playing Urza Saga. And he was he, he lost in the semifinals because his depth's opponent used Urza Saga and got Shadow Spear and just gave the 20 <laughs> trample. Like, plus one. Yeah. Like, he couldn't do anything. That's gas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wish I'd had Ghost Quarters in my list. I mean, maybe it was just the matchups, but I feel like Ghost Quarter... I played against two decks, you know, it was no no basics, you know, the mm. the Belcher and the 
the Oopsol spells. I played against Dark Depth. I played against Titan. I, I guess the the one the one like four color deck that would have been kind of whatever. And um was the other matchup I played. Anyways, uh, against Infect it would have been nuts too, because the scariest card for me was the, the Nexus, you know, that was that very few creatures. It was just four Nexus, four Blighted Agent, and one Glistener F. So Basaju and Ghost Corridor would have been nuts. I, I only had, I had one boat Basaju in the main and one in the sideboard, but no ways to recur them and you know, I feel like maybe if we if if these decks were to dominate, you might just see a bunch of Ren and Six, Passage, Ghost Corridor decks, or you know, Ponza. Honestly, Blood Moon um, <laughs> might, might have been good, but yeah, it looked like I don't know. You said Oka was kind of overrepresented. Represented. I, I was thinking maybe Oka was the best best card. You know, just overall. Mm, yes, I can agree with that. I I definitely think that it it. Yeah, what I mean is I think I think less of overrepresented means I was hoping to see more variety mm-hmm. is what I meant. Um I do agree with you. I think it was clearly the best option to go with. I I love that I saw not just Oko control, I saw cool Asmoren Condicular or whatever deck. Yeah. Uh, the Asmo deck. That was pretty cool with Oko. So I think what what I found funny is Oko pumps the the kill spell in Asmo, which I thought was pretty great. Um but yeah. I thought overall it was a really cool event. Yeah. No, so you didn't want to play, you didn't want to double queue, or especially since you um, had a good deck list, right? If, I mean, if Cherry, you knew, you know, Cherry knew his stuff and he he was running it back and stuff, you you didn't want to join in the fun. I I was going to, but then when I decided, oh, I'm gonna play, I messaged Cherry for his list, and he was like, dude, the registrations closed so then i just registered the pioneer challenge <laughs> yeah i think yeah it said somewhere two days before but i think canister actually posted you could still register and stuff until the, pretty much i'm sure the last minute but oh well next time oh feels bad yeah no it's okay I, i'm to be honest i was very skeptical on how i would turn it into youtube content and i wasn't <laughs> interested in learning depths in like 30 minutes so you know, I I could have played, but I would know. Yeah, I guess that's, I a, that's a good point. If you had, yeah, if you had never played the deck before, that's a little rough. Yeah, and and I was thinking, okay, well, I'll play an Uro deck, and then I was like, well, do I really want to edit an Uro video that will literally take me <laughs> ten hours? Yeah. You know, yeah, I was just I was just not not in the mood for that, so just went for the Pioneer. All right, well, let's get into Pioneer. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't even know you came in second in a challenge this weekend. You didn't? I put it in the Facebook group. Oh, feels bad. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it came second in the Pioneer Challenge this week with uh, Monogreen Devotion. I think I want to get this out of the way. I keep getting messages like, oh, why don't you play the Blue, White, and Two Teferi? I don't even know the name of it. I hate it that much, genuinely. <laughs> I saw McWinsauce made the quarterfinals on the previous day. There's a reason why I made the quarterfinals and not the finals. That's because he has Teferi in his deck. And <laughs> no, I'm joking. But to, to to actually be serious about this, why don't we like Teferi? And it's because you're diluting your deck for something that doesn't really help you win more. I mean, people make this argument that Teferi wins tons. I'm not struggling to combo. Uh, we don't even need the Nicobolas anymore. We're out. We want consistent mana base. We want to fight low to the ground aggressive decks like mono red, mono blue. And we're concerned about Rakdos and Blue-White. And the last thing you want in your hand against Rakdos and Blue-White is a Blue-White Planeswalker in a mono-green aggressive deck where your opponents are playing things that incidentally kill enchantments. I don't know why people want to play this with the argument of Oath of Nyssa. I don't even think Nicobolas is good anymore because I think Oath of Nyssa dies quite consistently. Um, And as well as... Yeah, I just... I, I, I dislike the logic behind it. You don't gain much from the white cyborg cards... The only good argument is Portable Hole, and even then, there's a lot of times in the Karn matchups, when I have 5 mana and I minus Karn, you're probably going to get Sky Sovereign and not the Portable Hole. Against something like Red Black, if they have, let's say, um, what's the Red Black 2 drop that they play? That's a 3-2. It's called, like, something Enforcer, maybe? Harvester? Blood Tithe Harvester? Blood Tithe Harvester, yes. If I have 5 mana and a Karn, and I minus, and I get a portable hole for the Harvester, I just don't think that's very good. Why don't I just get Boat and kill it next turn and let the Karn die? I just, because they just have so many ways to kill Karn, like, I, I'm not, 
I can, you can make scenarios where the white splash is good, but I can make so many scenarios and just play games where it's terrible. And I think that um, you just don't need it. This weekend, to kind of move on from that, this weekend, three of us played the Pioneer Challenge. Me, Cherry X-Men, and Wyden, our testing team green, and we went 15-5 and five where I played against Wyden so in the Swiss. So we went 14-4, and four Overall, with Mono Green, same 75, and you know who we also beat in the Swiss? Cherry beat McWinsauce on the White Splash. You know why we won? <laughs> because we have space in our sideboard for the Immortal Sun. So, I'm just gonna say, please don't splash white. I dislike it. And another thing, last I want to comment about deck building. Everyone keeps harassing me about four Kioras. We hate it. There's a reason why we don't play four Kiora. We understand you can put a fourth in. But we draw Kiora too much already with three. I don't want four. I like having the three Kiora, one Sylvan Karyatid, because if you draw Karyatid against Mono Red, it's a removal ramp spell. It's insane. We win all the time against Mono Red. It allows you to aggressively mulligan for Old Growth Troll, and if you find the Sylvan Karyatid, you're in a good spot too. That's my last comment on deck building, I think, as well as keep the Immortal Sun in your sideboard. As much as I hate to say that, because... We won three. We went three zero in green mirrors, and obviously wide and lost because we played the mirror. Because we just have a mortal sun. You go turn four minus Karn, get a mortal sun. They have to combo you, or they die. They can get meteor golem if they're if they're on a very fast hand that can either combo you, get meteor golem, or have Besaju in hand. But if these three things don't happen, which is very common in the green mirror, you win. So. Please keep Immortal Sun to your sideboard. <laughs> Again, I shouldn't be saying this because I probably removes equity. Going into the tournament, though, round one, I lost. Yes, I lost to Red White Artifacts round one, but they made top eight. So I lost round one, went six and oh. I see my round one opponent in the top eight, um, which was pretty cool. I want to say that there were two matches in the Swiss where my opponents mulliganed to four in game three, which is pretty nice, but... Those were matches against Red Black Sacrifice. And you know what Mono Green's best matchup is? Red Black Sacrifice. And I think they were aggressively mulliganing because all hands, Red Black Sack against Mono Green suck because you have very few removal spells for uh, Lenoir Elf. You have things like Claim the Firstborn plus Deadly Dispute, but those are hard to get combinations of consistently in all three games. And yeah, crush Red Black Sack, uh, crush Red Black Midrange with Liliana the Veil. Every time that my opponents had Liliana the Veil, I had an Old Growth Troll in play. They can minus, they ramp me, they can not minus, it dies. Um, if you're playing Rakdos mid-range, you need Kalitas in your deck, either in your sideboard or mainboard. You can play all the removal spells, you just lose the top deck war. I only lose against Red Black if you're lucky or you have Kalitas. It's a very favored matchup. Blue-White Control, though smoked me in the finals they had detention sphere which wrecked me because normally they would play supreme verdict for my old growth troll and wreck you uh, and i would wreck them because of the ramp plus i can sack the land nope detention sphere on my two trolls i lost i also got mana i i just flooded out game two uh game two i i kept like it was like elf haven karn Kiora. Something like this, and I, I, I basically drew all lands, play, I, I drew like six lands in a row, I had to play the Karn on turn three or whatever, played around Sensor or something, and then um, they just countered, had the Wandering Emperor, blah blah blah, I died. Uh, what else? I'm literally chain, I'm just rapid firing this. Yeah, no, Anything else interesting? I could relate to a few points you made. The Teferi point, as a blue-white player, you know, you played the matchup against green, and a lot of time it comes down to do they have that last fret or are they out of gas? So I could see mm -hmm. so easily losing a game the, the 50% time where you don't have Osomnissa out and you have that Teferi that could be, you know, a Nissa or any any fret and that costs you the game. So I thought that made sense. I was gonna I was gonna, you know, rub it in that you lost to the superior deck in the finals blue white control <laughs> um yeah I, I think i already mentioned it because we recorded late last week but I, I played just one pioneer uh prelim last week was blue white control i went four and oh I, I tried the detention sphere i think i played one over the second fit full absence and it would have been really good for me in one spot and I kind of missed it. I could have gotten two trolls. So it's kind of funny that you brought that up, but <laughs> um, it, it ended up being good for me. I wasn't, it wasn't always better than Fateful Absence because as much as I, 
used to hate that card. I feel like specifically in this deck, it's it's pretty decent. Um, it works really well with Teferi here of Dominaria. You have sometimes portable hole that's dead in your hand and you get to get their clue. So, you know, you're still two for one in yourself, but you're kind of using a portable hole that didn't have much use. Um, yeah, I played the the quote-unquote um, foretell package, as Harry 13 would say, was one behold, one side coming, one doomscar. It was decent for me. Uh, the one detention sphere was was kind of okay. The list you lost in the finals even had two. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so they're basically not playing Fateful Absence, playing two detention sphere. Uh, they, yeah, pretty pretty stock-ish list. Uh, the, the Angel package in the sideboard, one Bane Slayer, one Lyra, one Starnheim Unleashed. I don't have much experience with these cards, but um, I had just one Bane Slayer when I forwarded my prelim, and I it was good for me to one game against... John Sacrifice, it bought me a ton of life, and then I was able to farewell the board. I think I was able to like kind of slow them down, attack a bunch of um, the Planeswalker of Nixilis. That card's pretty scary. And then clear the board was farewell. Two Elspeth Sons Champion, though. I feel like uh, I'm not sure who that card's supposed to be against. I mean, it's fine against Red Black. It's probably fine in the mirror. I'm not sure you want it against Greenwood. Did you see that in the sideboard games, or do you think you would be scared of Elspeth's on champion as a green player? I think that as blue-white control, all we're doing is waiting for you to, like, to me, when a blue-white control player taps out, I'm like, yes, maybe I can do something. So I highly doubt that you would want a six-mana Planeswalker that just makes one-ones in. Yeah. But I was I was going to say about the detention sphere, we you know, this is new to me, at least, so Cherry and I talked about it, and I think that there are a lot of decks in Pioneer that work towards two ofs on the board. Like green is Wolf Willow Haven, your creatures. You mentioned Obnixilis is a massive problem. I mean, that's a guaranteed two permanents on the board. I think maybe that was the original, one of the original reasons why they even wanted here in the first place, just Obnixilis. Mm. Yeah. And I think that this, to me, this list looks more tuned to beat something like Rakdos, Rakdosak, Junsak. I think there's a ton of Rakdosak, Junsak now coming into the format. I mean, I played it twice in the Swiss. That's a lot more than we've seen in the past. I've, I rarely see sacrifice and challenges before. So, you know, a lot of these decisions to me seem like they're leaning towards sacrifice. And maybe Elspeth you want in sack because it kills the Corvold, I'm guessing. Nah, maybe that's not very good. I I'm, I'm really not sure. I don't know where, wh why you want yeah. the one ones. Yeah, no, detention sure is a bit clunky, but it does seem like it lines up well. Maybe even against Phoenix can have some, some nice spots where you get a couple of Phoenix. Who knows? Um, no, yeah. no, no adder car waste though. I didn't, I didn't even try adder car waste either. I feel like it makes very little sense to take damage from your land when you're playing control. You have so many good dual, uh, dual lands option, but we did see a, you know. Liliana win one of the Pioneer Challenge. Pretty much every red-black player had a bunch of Liliana of the Veils in the deck. Um, I think I talked about it last time. I actually beat my first Liliana of the Veil ultimate. I, I played a red-black in the the last round of my Pioneer prelim, and Liliana was pretty good, but it, it doesn't line up super well, I think, against Wandering Emperor and Teferi. Uh, but yeah, it looks like Liliana was probably good since... I don't know if just everyone who played red-black played Liliana, so there's no way to tell if it's actually better. I think it's still a worse card than Fable of the Mirror Breaker, but might might be good enough. And um, yeah, as far as new cards, um, Liliana of the Veil, Adarkar Waste, but in Spirits, uh, Sulphur Springs in some versions of red-black, not everyone played it. There's some temporary lockdown in, in some sideboards, I think, maybe blue-white sideboards. And... Um, Fires of Victory in a Phoenix list, I think, which is the new removal. It's a red and one. Deals damage to creatures or planeswalkers equal to the number of your cards in hand. So, you know, on turn two, it's probably doing four or five damage. And you can kick it, and for five mana, you draw a card first. So it's kind of annihilate. You know, you draw a card, you, you usually kill something. Um, yeah, pretty good. And as, yeah, other card waste and control, even the... Busha, who made top eight, was Yorion, you know, so playing 34 lands. And th this cell didn't have a single copy of Ad or Carways, because, yeah, you, you can just do better these days in control. Hmm. Yeah, I think overall, I <laughs> I was saying to Cherry, I mean, 
Cherry and I have tested every possible deck you can think of in Pioneer. We've already played two leagues, two leagues, with the red, uh, red-white artifact deck that Hermuda, I believe is their name, came eighth with. Yeah. I don't think that... Hermuda? I, I, was, I was surprised, because I remember building that deck. I think it was for Explorer. It was mm. pretty much the same list, and it felt so inconsistent, just not that impressive. Was your well, I think... Sorry, yeah. Oh, yeah, what was your experience with the deck? Oh, well, Cherry and I discovered that this is the deck to beat green. I mean, it's an artifact deck that actually doesn't really get too hosed by Karn the Great Creator. We crush green twice. But what Cherry and I have discovered is, genuinely, I we believe that you should not be playing anything but green. <laughs> we've, I, we've played, I think we've played three challenges that not mono green. And we did terribly. And then we came back this weekend, played green, we just crushed. I mean, it could be a skill level thing that we know green inside and out. But I honestly, I, I, I personally believe that green is tier zero right now in Pioneer. Um, it, again, it's biased because I've been playing it for so long. But we played every deck. We dislike the only deck that we're yet to be like, okay, maybe it's maybe it could be good is uh, Grease Fang. We're, we're yet to properly test that, but yeah. we're not a fan of Blue White and Rakdos just because I feel like, I mean, we're very biased because we're really leaning heavily on like nut draw decks. We really want decks that have nut draws and we really are like moving away from mid-range decks right now for challenges because we're, you know, I feel like, I don't know. I just I'm not a fan of any other deck in Pioneer, yeah. but but green. Maybe this is just me being biased, but yeah. Right, I could say the same thing for blue white. You know, I feel like blue white's oh, really? really good. You see blue white win a lot, and I think that the list is is pretty well tuned. So, I I mean, Sophia is still a ways away. Sophia has a U- European regional championship, but i mean i could see myself playing something else if i think it's really good or if i start losing a lot of his blue white you know that could definitely happen but right now you know gotta gotta, gotta join imagine. the testing team gab the cherry harry pioneer testing team yeah i don't, I don't have Sophia. a testing team for the tournament but i guess there's a, all the turns are happening the same weekend it is a little weird because i think you're going to be able to see deck lists from other regions first depending on where you are Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm not sure if they're going to try to do something about it. But yeah, I, I mean, it's still, I don't think it's, you can just wait because you need to know your deck to do well in a tournament. But also if you're mm. playing kind of the same list and you see a good player shop, it's like, oh yeah, what did it? It's smart. Maybe you can, you can make a few changes last second. But yeah, I've been, I've been loving blue white. I think I'm going to start skipping them because what I usually I'll do on Sundays, I'll, Play the modern challenge first, and if ever I owe two, I can hop into the pioneer challenge. But I think I might just start skipping modern right into pioneer now to to get more reps in and you know Ooh. see see how good I can do with blue white. Because on Saturday the pioneer challenge starts at I think it's eleven, right? It's ten p.m. UK probably and eleven my yeah. time. So that's a no go. And uh, if I'm always in the modern challenge, I don't get the the practice of playing challenge. Even the prelims are also usually really high uh, you know good players play prelims usually because the ev is not great and it's you know that you, you need to 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 care about the points and stuff yeah i think the last deck that i wanted to shout out completely forgot but uh cherry and i watch um quite a bit of uh tandy todd anderson uh tandy mtg because he's always playing pioneer and um you know, we disagree on some of his stuff with Green, but we still watch him anyways. He's good to get Pioneer. He's like the only person that we can really reliably watch for Pioneer. And shout out to him. I think that he actually has a good red list going. We tried out the new Dominaria card. I don't know the name, but it's the red 1-1 flying Phoenix thing. with The chick. Haste. Yeah. That, I thought it would not be good in red. But when you're playing Kameno, the saga that puts a plus and plus encounter on the second thing, mm-hmm. you play the Phoenix. I think that it's because red right now, there wasn't really a good creature to put a counter on apart from Eidolon or Bonecrusher Giant. I would say it's like your two go-tos that you're happy to put a counter on. Whereas now you're putting more creatures in your deck that you're happy to put counters on and it gets over a lot of decks. Like, uh, So I was impressed by it. I, I Cherry only played it on screen share and he 
went 4-1. Yeah. Tandy 5-0'd with it. So that's 9-1 yeah. and one for one I'm seeing from the deck. So maybe Mono Red's coming back. Yeah, Tandy does like a Mono Red deck. He he was the one who was pushing Teferi, right? The one weekend I saw all my all my Twitter feed was like, <laughs> Mono Green was Teferi. This is the only deck. This is the only way to build a deck. Teferi this, <laughs> Teferi that. I was like, it's a little weird, but maybe, maybe it's good. Seems seems weird, but yeah. I, th- I think Teferi's okay. You know, I can see arguments for it, but yeah, can like they, I said. Could that list cast it on, you know, besides Osamnesa or Storm? Yeah, so what you can do is you can, if you have Temple Garden and Nykthos and Akiura, you can use Blue Devotion from Kiora mm. and White Mana to cast it, but, I mean, it's so narrow. Yeah. Or, or oh no, I don't think they play Sylvan Karyatid, but... You can play things like, or Treasure Vault in the sideboard from Karn to Sack for Mana. Okay. You have uh, some, co- ways, you know, yeah. lines that work, yeah. But no, I think that's it for me from Pioneer. Yeah, we covered Modern, the new cards, No Boundless Modern, Pioneer. I started playing a, a bit of Dominaria drafts, pretty fun so far. I saw some people who were in, really enjoying it. I think I saw Mike Sigris say the format... Uh, I don't remember his exact words, but I think it was something about maybe it's not the most exciting format to play over and over again. Uh, not that interesting, not that depth to it, but so far so good. You know, I, I had a lot of fun. I drafted kind of a Grixis value deck. I drafted a, a domain deck. I had a blue-white, the, the Raph card. I wonder if it's maybe playable and constructed. It's Raph, it's a one free for blue and one legendary creature, and it's only an uncommon in draft. And whenever you play an instant or sorcery spell, you can tap two untapped creatures to draw a card. Oh, wow. And it has an ability that says white, white, free. Your, all your creatures get plus one, plus one in Vigilance. And the card would have been honestly already great and limited without the, the pump ability. It's already kind of a bomb. So I wonder if there's... I don't think so. Maybe standard. Maybe, maybe it's, it's all too slow, too much buildup. But when it gets going, it's, it's nasty because... It's just free cards, no extra cards, just tapping creatures if you have tokens, if you have... Who knows? Uh, we'll see if that card ever sees play anywhere, but it, it's, it was so impressive and limited anyways. There's... Okay. Well, you want to wrap things up? Yeah. Awesome. So I guess at the end of every episode, I'll do Life on the Line and Price is Right. Do you want to start with Price is Right? What card do you think? Sure. Um, maybe one of the new cards. Let's do... Ooh. I guess Sarah Paragon, since I think it's a mythic. That's going to be a tough one. Okay. Yeah. Sure. New set, mythic. Already saw a bit of play. Yeah. Um, I guess I have, I have a guess. Okay. Same. Three, two, one. 14. 18. Oh, you Ooh. actually went over me. Okay. I was going to go 15, you... but I was like, eh, Harry's going to go like 12 or 13. So like, I don't know. I didn't, don't even know how to spell it. Sarah Paragon. That's pretty straightforward. I guess your spelling is terrible. Oh, it's Sarah. Uh, I thought it was Sarah, like S-A-R-A-H. I'm so dumb. No, Sarah, like, like Sarah, Sarah Angel. Angel. Yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. Ooh. You probably got me now. Gav, this is actually an interesting one. The 30-day average price on card market is 20 euros, but the one-day average price is 15 euros. Don't we do so one I think week? We say it's a draw. Sure, kind of draw. Don't we do one, one week? Okay, 19 euros right, and 50 you euros. I, I didn't know that it was going to be good for me, but <laughs> yeah, no, it seems to be pretty good. So, so the price went down. Yeah, it's literally, if you look at the price on card market right now, it's a massive ramp. You can yeah. skateboard down. I guess thing. it's the same for every card. A lot of cards, like, start high, like, and then... But it's yeah. weird that it would keep going down after it actually showed a few results. I guess maybe that's not enough. Like, one, like, fringe deck that makes stuff in a challenge. Yeah. But, yeah. I think it's also because there's 793 available shot yeah, to card yeah. market. That's plenty yeah. for all the Jeskai Stoneblade players. Mm-mm-mm-mm. But, um, okay, life on the line. For those who don't know what that is, theoretical tournament tomorrow. Win the event you live, lose you die. Uh, you can do any deck list that, you, um, that we talked about today. Oh, tripping up. I guess I'll start first. Pioneer. 
surprisingly <laughs> with mono green. <laughs> uh, modern, I really like in modern right now. Hmm. Yeah. It's a tough one. I don't really like a specific Yeah, deck. I'm the same for modern. I don't know what I'm going to pick. Oh, I'm going to go hammer time. I think hammer time to me seems like a really stock option, either hammer time or Yawgmoth. Those two to me seems like consistent and decent against everything. Um, and in no banless modern, I'm going to go with uh, Dark Depths, Cherry X-Men's list. Try and learn from him. Yeah, um... So for Pioneer, no surprise either. Blue-white control. For Modern, I guess, you know, maybe just Goblins. Maybe the, maybe the Lord is is the real deal and actually makes a huge difference. So going to go with Goblins. And then no Bandless Modern. I'm going to go with uh, just Blue-Green blue uh, blue green Artifact, Oko. So, something along these lines, you know, kind of Urza Saga, Oko-based Blue-Green Artifact deck. Very similar Sick. to like the two decks that made top four. Awesome. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I guess to wrap up the episode then, Gab, where can we find you on the internet? Yeah. Twitch.tv slash Shellhead. I stream almost every day, including the weekends. I have a new schedule. It's six hours in the afternoon now. I used to split free and free, but decided to try to not go to bed at like 2, 3, 4 a.m. and have a normal schedule. So I stream six hours in the afternoon. It's noon cest i guess paris time uh, noon to six and yeah i'm gonna be playing a decent bit of standard i think uh uh still some magic online but i, I want to get into standard the qualifier on arena next month is standard and it's brand new standard uh should be should be fun i want to get to top 250 on the ladder and construct it so yeah that's the plan awesome you know where you can find me? On YouTube, clickbaiting. My top eight is already up, edited down to 15 minutes. You can watch the Pioneer top eight in 15 minutes. Mono green all the way to the finals if you want to see that. And uh, yeah, I guess I should also say I'm not really streaming on Twitch anymore. Uh, I used to do it like every day, every other day. Now I'm just kind of working on doing a YouTube video every day because I'd rather do six out, like two hours of gameplay and then four to six hours of editing rather than streaming. I make more money and this is my job. I got to try and make money. Yeah. So yeah, no, I smart. think though, yeah, I think that I'm going to try and do challenges maybe on the weekend, um, stream that, but yeah, I don't know about Twitch. Once I kind of work out my YouTube game, you know, I'll know, I'll know yeah. what I'm doing. No, yeah. I just hate money. YouTube is so much, so much better for, for everything. You know, even like, I mean, you don't get to interact right away with people, but you know, you get you have more views, more people who who benefit from your work, and I guess there's a comments. You can build maybe a community on Discord, but yeah, it's smart. Should, thank you, thank one, you. One day maybe I'll start making YouTube content uh, besides just my. I mean, I do have a YouTube channel. It's my edited VODs, and I think people enjoy the the, the editing. You know, it's kind of automatic editing, um, but it, it's something, I guess. Um, but I like Twitch. I like Twitch chat. I like to hang out. It's fun too. Just kind of, yeah. you know, not just magic, just talk about whatever and stuff. So I, I do miss Twitch and I would actually stream if I wasn't testing so hard because I'm testing, I'm test. I'm playing a lot of magic with Cherry. Yeah, I, mean, I, I love it, honestly. Game. I love that you're playing yeah. so much magic because you used to be like pretty busy <laughs> with school and stuff. And, and yeah, now it's awesome. Yeah, I'm averaging like, Cherry plays more than me. I'm, I, but I mean, we're playing like three, four leagues combined a day. So yeah, I'm getting getting through a lot, getting more content for YouTube as well as just verbal content for the podcast. Because so much that I miss. Because the, the YouTube meta is making videos really short now, in my opinion. And what I've been doing is I've been looking up like Hearthstone competitive gameplay, Hearthstone new meta deck, Hearthstone combo. I know nothing about Hearthstone. But Hearthstone is really streamlined and way more clickbaity than Magic right now because they've been on YouTube for much longer. So I'm just, um, and the Hearthstone meta right now is get your gameplay short, get it informative, and cut out all the junk. So that's what I'm doing with Magic. Yeah. And I miss out so much of the cool stuff because I have to edit it out. So that's why I love having the podcast now. I can just ramble about that here. Yeah, I know. I mean, you can. I could tell today, like, you know, you can tell when you have played and you're confident and you're just bringing up a bunch of interesting points and stuff is no awesome. Yeah. 
Sounds good. Well, for those listening, don't forget to join the podcast Discord. Don't forget to check out Card Market. And we'll hopefully catch you next week with Pat. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Have a great week. Take care and uh, we'll see you next time.